Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney here, the host of How They Love Mary. Lent will be here before you know it. Ash Wednesday is March 2nd, and many Catholics like to undertake spiritual reading during the season of Lent, and oftentimes that's in a daily devotional book. If you wish to pray with Mary's messages and listen to her voice and then begin to live them in your life, then A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary that I wrote a few years ago is the perfect book for you. Learn about Mary's many apparitions and the messages she spoke to children and adults alike. You just won't be reading about the apparitions, but you'll be putting into action Mary's message in your own life. A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary is available from Sophia Institute Press or wherever you buy Catholic books. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Last summer, I was at a conference, the Catholic Marketing Network. It was being held down in Chicago, and part of that network conference is also the Catholic Writers Guild, and so bringing together a lot of different people who are writing in the Catholic realm, and they have a little meeting and gathering to discuss publishing and writing and how to draw on their strengths, and I was very blessed at the Catholic Writers Guild and at the Catholic Marketing Network to meet Annie Harton. And she had a book, and she was happy to give me one of her books, and maybe, hopefully, I gave you a book in exchange, or if I didn't have a book, I need to send you one. Maybe I'll send you the Lent book. But anyways, uh, she wrote a book called Single Truth, You Are More Than Your Relationship Status. And today, as this episode releases, it is Valentine's Day, and in February, we think about love and St. Valentine's Day and people who are going out for a fancy meal with their loved one tonight and how they are celebrating the love that they share. Annie Harden is a marriage therapist and she holds a BA in psychology from St. Mary's College, an MA in theology from Notre Dame, and an MA in marriage and family therapy from Indiana Wesleyan. She enjoys bringing faith to life and life to faith through counseling, writing, and speaking. And so... Here she is, a marriage therapist, but she's a single lady. She's not married yet. And interestingly enough, you know, people comment about that with clergy, that you're a priest, how can you give marriage advice, etc., um, as a priest. And so I'm very interested to have this conversation with her as she works with married couples, but also then her own journey of life, her own journey of faith as a single person looking for the one that she loves in this life so that she can be happy with that person and together they can lead each other to the kingdom of heaven. And so thank you for joining me today, Annie. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So first, maybe let's just start out with, you went to school for a long time. You have a BA and MA and another MA, and so, but you are a marriage therapist. And I guess maybe first, why were you drawn to that life? Why did you want to get involved in uh, therapy for married couples? Yeah, it was a a journey for sure, and I really appreciated how you introduced me in a way that it sounded like a dating profile, which 
So that was funny. Um, I grew up in a family with quadruplet siblings. Uh, I was born to two loving, loving parents who are still married today. And they did a lot for my siblings and I to teach us how to love, uh, how to have fun, how to always remember the commitment that family offers us. So, so they were very uh, encouraging to always reconcile, to really stay close in relationship to, you know, those that we um, are related to by blood because that's who God gave us uh, to go through this life. So I've always been really interested in the joy and the love of marriage and family. My parents went on dates every weekend. Uh, the doctor suggested for them to get out of the house uh, because it was a very full house with all the kiddos. So they really committed to keeping their marriage spark alive by just going on dates, whether that was short, long, um, whatever. It was just kind of a reminder that they were first and foremost a couple, and then they would uh, hand on that love to us. So I've always been interested in helping other families find that love and joy as well. And through studying psychology and theology, I got to work in in parishes and really experience um, kind of the behind the scenes of marriage and family life and a lot of their their trials and difficulties, especially with communicating and healing and going through uh, baptisms and funerals and weddings. And I was a wedding coordinator and I just really enjoyed those those really pivotal points in our lives. And, and I I have so much joy to um, kind of be behind closed doors with them and those like really special moments that they'll remember forever and to really help them to honor them and to celebrate those moments the way that um, God intended them to be. Now, you mentioned quadruplets. Are you one of the yes. four quadruplets or are those your siblings? Those are my siblings. So I was an only child uh, before they came along. And then you had four additional brothers yeah. and sisters. How amazing. And, you know, you don't hear about that often either. So, you know, twins, I've baptized a, a good handful of twins in my priestly ministry, but uh, never triplets and never quadruplets. So what an amazing gift uh, your family had. Now, as a marriage counselor, therapist, uh, I don't know which word you prefer, counselor or therapist, mm -hmm. but um, how is it for you then? Because right now in the state of your life, you're a single person and you write about that right away at the very beginning of your book. What is that like for you then to be in this position as a counselor, as a therapist for these couples uh, when you're a single person yourself? It's a challenge, understandably, to you know, talk about marriage all day while not having that experience myself. So it definitely uh, encourages the longing. It, it helps me to really know what I am waiting for. So God especially has given me little glimpses at what he has protected me from or what he is um, growing in me, preparing in me so that I don't get caught in the same traps that that some relationships are caught in when they're rushed or when when there's um, 
more of a foundation of sand rather than than rock. So it has definitely shifted uh, before and after my breakup. So when I was in school, I was really excited about, okay, after I'm done with grad school and like st- finally stop going to school, then I'll meet my husband and, you know, happily ever after and I'll be a marriage counselor and that's what God wants. God wants for me. So I was kind of idolizing marriage. So there was a lot more, uh, I wouldn't really say agony maybe, but a little bit more like heartache knowing how much I longed to be married. And I felt like God was forget forgetting about me. Hmm. And then when I had the relationship, I was like, okay, this is, this is it. it. He was my first, my first boyfriend, my first kiss, my first love, like, everything just seemed to make sense of why I waited that long. And and it was, it just seemed storybook. And then when he broke up with me, instead of proposing to me, I really hit rock bottom and was reminded of how much of my worth I was placing in my plan rather than God's plan for me. So I've kind of had this reinvigorating kind of call to speak up for the single life, especially the transitional single life, as I say in my book, um, for people who are on the journey and their worth is not any different than people their age who are married. You begin your book actually kind of with this letter, a letter of dedication, Mm -hmm. and you write it to my first love. I thank you for loving me enough to break up with me. I was blessed with the time to grow into myself and embrace this season of singleness. And you go on about that. Now, have you connected with him? Do you still stay in touch? Do you know anything about his life story right now? Is he, is he married already? Or has he read your book? Does he know about the work you're doing? Does he know that you wrote this letter to him at the beginning of a book you published? I don't know. <laughs> I know he is not married right now, and we've definitely been processing things differently from what I from what I hear um, others share with me. But beyond that, I've I've we've kind of coexisted some, and then I've really tried to set better boundaries just for my own heart and for me because I I know that I am a deep feeler and I am very kind of strong-willed and stubborn like about things that I want you know my plan and so the more space and distance has allowed me to listen to God more clearly and to heal also my heart so I don't continually uh, see him and be reminded that he isn't with me sure now There's a lot of talk, especially when we speak about vocations. So we think about the vocation to married life. We think about the vocation to the priesthood or the consecrated life. And some people say that the single life isn't really a vocation. What's your stance on that? Yeah, that's a great question. I just watched a video about that on YouTube last night, actually. And it was an interesting explanation of when we consecrate ourselves to a life. So there's a difference between you being a seminarian and you being a priest. 
like it has to do with kind of where you are in your life, but what your vocation actually is. So a lot of, well, all of us were born single. So we were always starting out without a uh, life partner, so to speak. So, so whether that be marriage, whether that be the church for you, um, whether that be Christ for, uh, you know, our sisters and there are transitions though that we walk through before we reach to that point so there is uh, an important call for some to be single forever and give their time to the church give their time to service and really you know kind of die to themselves through that uh, through that avenue while families obviously focus on the salvation of their household and raise them and love, love the people that are in their lives. So what I have spoken up more on is the church noticing that there is a journey and everyone is on a different journey. So just because someone is single right now, God still speaks to our hearts about our ultimate vocation. So just because, oh, I'm single now, I guess that means I'm called to be a sister. Um, and I've, you know, I've discerned that and I've also discerned marriage. And I just have such a strong calling to being a wife and mom and to, to really bring theology into the home and that's what i've been very passionate about the holy family the, the domestic church and the counseling so i am trying to help the church not just put people in categories because that makes us feel more comfortable to say oh you're in the married group okay you're in the single group you're in you know this group while especially as young adults those are so different depending on what what God is doing in each of our lives. So, you know, some of my friends have multiple kids and they're done having kids and some of them are engaged. Some of them are married. Some of them are also like me saying I'm called to be married, but there's no one around. Uh, so all of us are just listening to, to God's call, whether this is like a forever state in life or if this is just for today. We're, we're talking about, living the single life. And that's what you've been living right now, especially after the breakup from this relationship. And when that happened, you actually made a conscious decision. You said, I want to do a dating fast. I'm going to fast from dating for a year. And maybe it's turned out to be longer than a year now. But what is the value of doing a dating fast? Yeah. So whether I'm dating or not right now, it's not an yeah, a dating fast is different than just being single. Like, like for now, I'm definitely open to dating. Uh, while going on a dating fast is kind of redirecting a priority to self growth, to prayer, to really um, kind of reset uh, our our view. There's a few really good books about really healing healing attachment injuries, healing wounds, uh, helping you with self-esteem, helping you know your worth and what you're looking for. Because oftentimes we don't even pause and think, you know, who am I and 
what do I want and where am I? We just kind of reach for any sort of attachment or security and whoever is the next, you know, single bachelor that is, you know, kind of in front of us. And I walked the Camino after the breakup in in Spain. And that's where I got the idea right before my 30th birthday. So I walked the Camino to reflect on life in my 20s. And then to really enter into being single at 30, which I never in my wildest dreams thought I would be celebrating my 30th birthday going on a dating fast. But there was something that God was inviting me to dig into this book and really share what I've learned about love as a single counselor. So I felt silly going on a year-long dating fast because... I had only dated one person ever in my life. So it felt weird to say, okay, fine. I'm not dating anymore. Uh, So there was a lot of pushback from loved ones that just, it didn't make sense, but I wanted to kind of set a deadline for this book and make sure that I could totally dive into this kind of position where I was standing is to be a single marriage counselor and, and what value is that? How is God calling me to serve other relationships, but not look at every man as a potential mate. And I think it's so easy that we can start kind of um, like projecting our plan onto others. So if we see like another, you know, a guy at church or something, we're like, Oh, you could be my husband. Oh, that could, guy could be my husband. And so it helped redirect my, my heart to what God wanted to show me rather than my eyes just, you know, going to, are they married? Are they single? Does that mean they love me? Like all, all of that we can kind of get into, especially as young adults, as we age, we kind of feel like the, the dating pool gets smaller and smaller as we, as we age out of different young adult groups where we think there's only a few left. So then we kind of start desperately making it happen rather than letting God lead us. And that's an interesting question. I think that kind of you're leading me to right now is that, you know, there are people out there and there are people like you. I know of a lady that is just celebrated her birthday. She's in her 50s, still not married, but knows that God has a plan for her, that God is calling her to marriage. She just hasn't found that person yet. So what is your advice to them? How do they find a spouse? Do they go on these dating apps? Do they just keep praying that the Lord leads them to that person? Uh, what's your advice to the person who's out there still searching for the one that they're to spend the rest of their life with? And really, this is advice that you give yourself as well. Yeah, being in this state and being a counselor, there's a lot of times where the Holy Spirit really speaks through me to my clients. And then I hear what I just said and I go, huh, I guess I need to practice that too. And there's a lot of um, anxiety in the world, right? We, when things aren't the way we thought they would be, we get anxious that all of these plans are canceled during the pandemic and all of this is shifting. We don't, we don't like not knowing when and why and how, and you know, when am I going to meet my husband? When am I going to do this? And I, have focused a lot on peace to say, okay, if this was, if this was not the best place for me 
right now, God would not have me here because he is a good father and he has us at the best possible place for us. And we are not powerful enough to ruin that plan. So it's helped me to not put all of the effort on me to say, if I don't go to this theology on tap or if I don't go to this event, I may have missed out on the chance to, you know, meet my man since that's probably the one night he probably went and I wouldn't go and I'll ruin it. And like, there's all this pressure to say, okay, we have to go and go and go and go and go. But there are resources out there. So if you do reach out to people saying, Hey, if you're thinking, you know, if you're, if you have anyone, anyone in mind, that would be a good match for me. I'm open to that. Or um, there are some better dating apps than others just to, be confident, be out there just seeing if that's the avenue where God will introduce you. I have friends that met their spouse through online dating. For me, it hasn't been as successful. So I don't think there's one size that fits all, but just being open and trying different things. Because if you are locked up in your house and if you never go out, if you never, you know, enter into community with your parish or with um, young adults in your area are going to find the hobby or going to find any sort of opportunity for God to introduce you to someone, then I would encourage you to think about maybe what, what roadblocks are you putting up? You know, where are you putting up those walls not to exhaust yourself and do all the work, but God does ask for our participation and to walk out in faith to know we we need that peace that we're hearing God correctly, uh, that 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 we're not saying, wait, did we hear God wrong? And I thought I was called to be married. I guess I'm a fool, you know, or I just um, kind of feel feel tricked. But that is the lie of the serpent uh, with Adam and Eve that God's holding out on us, or that um, that God is not trustworthy. So if we fully rest in the present moment and and know that God will give us our greatest joy. So if being a sister, if being a priest, um, if kind of choosing another vocation does not bring us joy, God does not take volunteers. So if we're just saying, well, I guess I want to be married, but, you know, I'll, I'll settle for, you know, second since I guess no guy, no guy's proposed yet. So I guess I'll be a, a sister. That is not the the abundant life that God calls us to live, that, that whatever is the greatest joy in our hearts is what God is going to lead us to. What do you think about someone, and maybe this is a spiritual practice that you're already doing, but when I know people that were searching for spouses, they were already praying for that person long before they even met them, praying that God would protect them, praying that God would um, be active in their life, that they that they would find each other. Is that something that you do? Is that something you recommend to people who are searching for a spouse that uh, they pray in advance of meeting that person? And maybe once you meet that person, how do you pray for them during that time as well? Yes, this is a tricky question um, in some ways. I do recommend praying for our vocation and our future spouse and it helps us to be hopeful. It helps us to remember that if God calls us to to that vocation, there 
there's another person that's also going on that journey. So there's some really beautiful songs out there as well about, you know, just all the ups and downs that people go through in their, in their lives. Maybe they're going through a breakup right now. Uh, Maybe they're going through some, you know, they're moving maybe from another state. And so that's why you haven't met them because they're going through this big life change and they're going to move to your city and then you'll meet. And I think it helps us to remember the power of prayer and, whether we're praying in the present for the future or, or for in the future, also like retroactively, like we can, like God is outside of time. So the more that we are praying for someone that we don't even know, then we are giving God that, that time um, going, you know, as much time as we can spend in prayer is good. So whether that is journaling, whether that's working through, there's some good prayer books about praying for your spouse um, to kind of give you some, give you some prompts. And then I also like writing letters to my future spouse as well. So there were times all through, all through uh, growing up in my teens and in college where I, I may have been like the, the, the fifth wheel or some, periods of discouragement that I I just really wanted to, you know, have my love next to me. So I went to the chapel in my dorm and, you know, sometimes late at night after a party or after um, a different holiday or something where I was just kind of thinking about him and just saying, you know, I can't wait to meet you and I'm saving myself for you. And I am, living in hope and I'm hoping you're doing well. (laughs) Like, so, so that kind of prayer is healthy. What I have learned is that we can attach too quickly to someone who we think is that person. So my, I think it was my ex's sister that told me not to assign a face to that person. Um, like too soon because I think that's where our plan gets kind of mixed in the gods saying, okay, we met, you know, we met this person. He, you know, he must be the one I'm marrying and we need to be careful to, to have those emotional boundaries and, and to allow God to bring us to that point of decision, you know, at the pro- proposal at the wedding, you know, it's not something that as soon as you meet someone, you're like, Hey, I've been praying for you. And like, that's, I think we need to really think about emotional chastity because that's what makes breakups and, and, um, you know, letdowns, disappointments so devastating. You said that you would sometimes write letters to your future spouse. Do you have those all collected in one place? Are those letters you intend to give them one day, like maybe the night before the wedding? What's your thoughts about that? That's the plan. (laughs) But as I said, sometimes there are seasons where I try to step back from that a little bit uh, because we can get too attached to kind of the idolizing a marriage while maybe our heart right now is is meant to really be focused on God and not say, okay, can't wait to be married, can't wait to be married, can't wait to be married. Like the more present I can be in my life right now, my friendships now, um, has brought me more, more peace than, than, uh, kind of, 
yeah, being too kind of anxiously attached to the future. What's one of the biggest lessons you've learned uh, in living the single life throughout your life? One of the chapters in my book is titled um, Marriage is an Assist and Not the Goal. And as I have seen young people pass away, I mentioned one of them in my book who was a colleague of mine um, that passed away while I was writing the book. Um, to, to be reminded that we are mortal um, and we came into the world single and we ultimately die single. And marriage is not the end of the story. So those who aren't married say, you know, like a priest is saying you are waiting for the heavenly banquet that you are, you know, kind of surpassing this earthly marriage uh, and helping people come to the heavenly marriage and being single and especially watching those young people die without, uh, you know, ever having a, a spouse or even seeing hearing horrific stories of people dying on their honeymoon or um, just realizing how much weight we place on another human being and how misguided we can be with our, with our love, with our goals to like almost idolize that, that person. I just heard on father Mike uh, Bible in a year podcast that poetry is making a good and ultimate good, um, which is not anything that um, anything other than God um, does not does not fit in that fit in that role. So in singleness, I've I've had more silence at home. I've had that time that I have to run to God because I don't have anyone else to to run to for those most intimate you know fears and concerns. To know that God is always there to lean on, and that ultimately I'm living my life for the kingdom. So, like, if I died tomorrow, I would want to be really aware of where my eyes are, you know, like, where where is my gaze? Am I, am I gazing towards heaven and living my best life today and using my gifts and helping marriages and helping people get to Christ? Or am I sitting here just wishing I had a husband so bad, you know, and how am I spending my, my, my time now? So I am, that's one of the reasons I'm so thankful for the breakup, the way it happened. Well, I'm not thankful the way it happened. I'm thankful for the timing of it because especially in marriage counseling school, I had this perfect image in my mind about being a marriage counselor and being married. And then my life would be great. And that's kind of where my goals stopped but during the single life I've really gotten to know who Annie is and I've started uh, ballroom dancing I've started really writing more I've started really diving into my marriage practice and really discovering gifts that glorify God and I'm God's beloved child that I I'm not any less because I don't have Husband. Now, in our Catholic faith, we always hold up the example of Mary and Joseph. 
We had this whole year of St. Joseph last year, which really gave us a great focus on devotion to him and looking to them as a holy couple and how they can inform married life. How do you think Joseph and Mary, their virginal marriage nonetheless, how do you think that speaks to married couples today? It helps show the the depth of love and our culture has become so sexualized and has under have kind of understood intimacy to be based on you know the just anything physical um and i noticed that a lot in in sessions that people get married based on how physically attracted they are to someone or you know how great the sex is or how they just have the butterflies and they just have this this like attraction to someone which you know none of that is bad in itself you know there 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 is a place for that for that physical attraction but there was this purity to Mary and Joseph obeying God's plan for them and knowing that they were there for Jesus and they were there for each other to be a companion and to help each other to um, to grow and, and learn and to be accompanied and, and to just be intimate in conversation and be intimate in those moments of adoration of their son and and it's not all about sex so those relationships that uh, kind of base their love off of that that is something that definitely goes kind of up and down in terms of your physicality a season of life um, pregnancy post pregnancy um, uh, elderly like just different different things that come up in our life that can affect physicality but what never changes is our ability to connect emotionally even if we don't speak to each other so to really listen to the voice of the father and to really sit without devices and to sit and really like gaze into each other's eyes and to say, I see you, I witness you. And when you have cancer, when you have the flu, uh, when you have uh, these, these, you know, these times of maybe bankruptcy or these times of um, fearing a child's health and just all, all of these trials, just like through quarantine that we've been experiencing, there's, there's a deeper need there than than just making sure that um everything is like uh kind of like spicy i guess i would say that because that's what like with natural family planning they talk about like the spice index so they talk about um just how how connected are you physically how tempted are you like what kind of touch is sexual touch what kind of touch is you know friendly touch and you know loving and, and not needing to get anything from that and that's a big thing that mary and joseph had very well and they're beautiful models of giving that love and not just 
counting the cost, not not expecting anything in return. That that Joseph especially said, man, he was there with Mary and Jesus, and they're both perfect. And he's like, you know, I'm just here <laughs> doing what I can do. And that he didn't have like a ticket to turn into and say, okay, I did this and that. Now I deserve um, this sort of love in return that, that, that we never, that God never owes us anything. And to know of that gift of marriage and the beautiful couples that have gone through, you know, paralysis or cancer or these, these things that can totally change the body and, and change, you know, what's, what's possible, um, on dates, what's possible, um, through daily life, but conversation really being heard and really spending that, spending that quality time together is something that will never grow old. We can learn so much from the marriage of Joseph and Mary. It speaks to us regardless of our state and life, whether we're single or we're married, whether we're priests or religious, uh, Joseph and Mary have something to teach the whole church. And that's why we always hold them up as these beautiful and wonderful examples. Annie, you are a single person right now, and we pray that God brings that person into your life. And through all of this, you have written the book, Single Truth. You are more than your relationship status. And so if people know someone who is single and they want to read a reflection on the single life, how can they get the a copy of your book? Yes. First, a caveat here is that it is titled Single Truth, um, but actually some of my biggest readers have been married men um, because the book is especially written um, kind of with men in mind. So whether you're single, married, uh, whether you're woman, man, woman like all books. So I wasn't as concerned about <laughs> about that, but it's but it's short and easy to read and a good reminder that no matter what state of life you are in, whether you're a priest, whether you're um, single now, whether you're single forever, whether you're married, um, it's just a reminder that you are much more than your relationship status. So whatever that status is, and you can find it at Amazon. Um, you can find that link on Annie Harton. Dot com and I'll take you directly to that page. Okay. And you're on social media as well. Uh, I know that I follow you over there on Instagram. Uh, can mm -hmm. people give you a follow over there? Yep. So I'm pretty active on Instagram, uh, Annie.Harton. And I have a YouTube channel that I'm kind of playing with a little bit with uh, my dancing, but there may be other opportunities on there as well. I have a, a talk that I recorded uh, for a church about how quarantine saved my soul. Um, and I think that's what I have right now. And I'm going to start um, sending out uh, a newsletter to an email list. So it, you can sign up for that on my website as well, if you want to stay connected. Well, that's great. I am grateful that we got connected through the Catholic Marketing Network. Literally, we were networking while we were there, and that's how this interview came about. So thanks so much for joining me today on How They Love Mary. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. 
If you'd like to follow me on social media, I'd encourage you to do so. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the handle at FR Edward Looney. You can visit my website, edwardlooney.com, to learn more about my books and to acquire them from the publisher. And if you have enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor and review the podcast. Rate it on Apple Podcasts and write a review because that will help others to find it as well. Until next time, may we remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless. 